0: Hello, and welcome back to Bible Braced. It's been a little bit, I feel like. It has. Well, we've had some interesting changes, how the turns have tabled, <laughs> because we had a interview episode with Darcy, and then we had Righteousness Part 1, and then we had kind of a gap week again after that where we just basically prayed through a psalm and just kind of focused on thankfulness and what the Lord had done and just reflecting on those things. And then we had a gap week last week because I was sick. So I apologize for that. (laughs) We forgive you, but please don't do it again. I will try my best not to.
1: I don't enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) We know you get sick on purpose.
0: Oh man. Sometimes I'm like, man, it's kind of a bummer that when we're sick, we just don't have something happen, you know, on the show. And then it's like, well, you know, We're two regular people and this is not our full-time job. So I'm sure everyone understands, but at the same time, we like to be consistent for those of you that listen every week, because I know several of you do. And hopefully you had a good time last week, a little break to just be able to maybe go back and listen to other episodes that you hadn't had a chance to, or just to spend time with other podcasts or just more time in the word. So hopefully that was a blessing to you. Hopefully, a break from us was a blessing. <laughs> but we are don't back. tell us if it was. <laughs> yeah, we would prefer just to imagine that you were ecstatic a horrible that we're back with you. <laughs> that you are desperate and hitting the only play. proper response.
1: I'm <laughs> missing out on a week of bated breath. I must listen. Where to are that. they? Uh, yes. Well, <laughs> we're back. Whether or not you like it. <laughs> Some of you were like, wait, they, they were gone? Yeah, exactly. Like, when you come back to a party when you've been gone for, like, three hours, you're like, yeah, sorry, I had to go take care of this. And they're like, oh, I didn't know you were gone. You're like, well, how about I just leave again? Glad you cared that I was gone.
0: <laughs> anyway, bitterness from the past. It's really good. Yeah, it sounded
1: very specific, honestly. It, it,
0: actually, it wasn't. <laughs> I just came up.
1: You're at like an eight hour party, apparently, and gone for three hours. Yeah,
0: what kind of a party does that happen at? It's like a murder mystery, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have an alibi. You were gone for three hours. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about back Lord. on topic, hopefully. <laughs> so, when we did part one of Righteousness, Emily, do you want to briefly recap kind of what we covered? Sure.
1: Let me pull up my notes from then. So uh, we talked a little bit about what our friend Berickman had to say about that. Good old Floyd. Floyd. Floyd H. Uh, and he talked about um, how God is righteous in his character and that that requires God to do right in his actions. So God being righteous then does righteous things. Mm. And uh, we looked at Daniel 9 talking about Daniel said that righteousness belongs to you, O Lord. Uh, We looked at Psalm 11, it says the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness and the upright will behold his face. And we went to Psalm 19 where it talks about, um, God's judgments. Um, that whole chapter is good. That whole Psalm is good about, um, talking about the word of the Lord and, um, characteristics of it. And then we went to Acts 17, which was in Katie's preferred version, I remember, because she said, I like my version better. <laughs> she didn't actually read it in the NASB 95, which is what I had, well, but anyway. it's okay. She uh, <laughs> likes the Lexham English Bible, which I feel like we have to mention for copyright purposes. Yes. So there's that. Well, Magas
0: probably appreciates that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's good not to plagiarize, I guess, but Anyway, so now, um, this week, we're trying to continue with that thread, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 3 to start out with. So, do you have any further things to say before we jump in, Kay, or should we just
0: cue the music? I mean, you know I always have something to say, but I know. I think It's a dangerous question. <laughs> it is a dangerous question. <laughs> I feel like with righteousness, um, it's just not an attribute that we like to really dwell on, because... It's so far apart from where we are at. You know what I mean? Like if, well, if I feel like we and, also
1: don't get it really. So I think we kind of understand a large part of it. Like, too. oh, God is righteous. Moving on, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, but sure. continue with your thought. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know I'm in a fragile state right now. i very easily derailed. So don't derail <laughs> me.
0: I'll just keep going for miles. Um, I think, I think that one of the reasons why righteousness doesn't really, doesn't really compute, I guess, for me personally, is I think somehow like holiness is not as difficult to swallow, but righteousness seems more difficult. I feel like I am just so much more aware of my sin and of the gulf between God and myself when I consider his righteousness, the fact that everything he does is right. Hmm. The fact that you know, justice, I feel like, is kind of intertwined with this idea of righteousness, that he must act in a, in a right way. And holiness has those connotations also. But I do think that righteousness and focusing on it, it just really, if we are really understanding it appropriately in light of our own humanity and in light of our own sinful natures, it can be a little discouraging. Really, to think, to contemplate God's righteousness and to think through, okay, if this is true about Him, how can I have a relationship with this God? And I think that what we have to apply along with righteousness is a full understanding of the sacrifice of Jesus and that it was completely and totally adequate to replace. Our sins, Right. To to give us right standing with God. It mm-hmm. was completely. Perfect. And he lived a completely perfect life. And then his death for us and his resurrection from the dead signified that that sacrifice was complete. There was nothing that needed to be added to that. And even the little tiny inner judges that we each have, our consciences, you know, if we are thinking about this rightly, they refuse this concept. They reject the idea that someone perfect and sinless could die and therefore pay the price for a world of sinners who do not deserve it. And that idea of righteousness doesn't feel righteous to us. And I think this is where In our theology, we have to be so intentional to take the whole counsel of God's word, because God is not only righteous, he is also loving, and he is also compassionate and merciful. And because he loved us so much, he sent Jesus. Because he loved us so much, Jesus died. And I don't think that we really understand the idea of that love when we just kind of skate over it in a verse, like, oh, because God loved the world, he did these things. No, like that's that's the whole yeah turning point of salvation is it's God's love for us that compelled him to do something for us. Righteousness by itself, like on paper, is uncomfortable, I think, and it should be, unless we are considering all the other attributes of God and all the other aspects of salvation together. Because then instead of righteousness, a total righteousness of God pushing us from him, it brings us back to him in humility and in thankfulness and in worship for how amazing he is to have done what he did for us, even though he is righteous.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to realize for the growing believer that those demands because of his righteousness had to be met in jesus and he's the only one who could fulfill the requirements Mm -hmm. for us and like you're saying that's god's love plus his righteousness in action because god wouldn't be good if he just said oh sure let's let it slide there will be no payment for your sin we'll just let it slide you know there had to be a payment for that yeah and that's something that we can't really understand if he wasn't righteous then he wouldn't be a good god you know he he would be bound to his you know desires in the moment much like we are i guess and we don't really understand what that would look like and we don't understand god as it is but it isn't it is important to know that god doesn't sacrifice his holiness or righteousness to love us but yeah. he he loves us and satisfies the demands um that must be paid for because of us and we'll look into this in soteriology you know in 10 years whenever we get to that <laughs> at the, in the way, millennium. yeah. you guys are just going to have to <laughs> hang out with us Sorry. for eternity <laughs> we can poorly teach you doctrine that you will know better than us by then at that point but the imputation of god's righteousness it's like his righteousness is being credited to us essentially mm-hmm. like jesus Paying for our debt of sin on the cross means that when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of his son and he chooses to love us as much as he loves Jesus. Mm. And that's really crazy to think about because yeah. it's nothing we could have ever done to deserve that. It's not like, okay, I'm going to use a horrible example. It's not like Twilight where it's like Edward <laughs> looks at Bella. And there's just something about her. He just has to love her. Like, oh my word, I can't read her mind, therefore I love her. (laughs) You know, it's not like it was. What a throwback. I know. It's not something like that. It's not like, oh, God is just so taken with us because we're just so special and unique. No, like, He created us and we are special and unique, but He loves us because He's good and that's who He is. So it's based upon His goodness that He does all of this stuff. So.
0: And I think that's what I'm talking about, really, like, from a From a completely 30,000 feet view of this is like, if we have any kind of objectivity in our thinking, salvation in light of righteousness doesn't make sense to us. And I think that's where we have to remind ourselves, like, we are not a more righteous and just judge than God (laughs) Yeah, You know, and I think sometimes people get really hung up on this because they're like, but I don't deserve it. And you're like, that's the point. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) And I think that's where like, we just have to remind ourselves that what God says in his word is true. Mm -hmm. And that ultimately, he is the one who gets to decide. If something is a full payment or not, he's the one that gets to decide if there is true propitiation. And we've used the word imputed or imputation already today, which is another, it's one of those nice, you know, 50 point words and propitiation. That's a $10 <laughs> word right there, said Katie. <laughs> propitiation is another 50 point word. In fact, it might even be a 75 point word. This is the idea of, of appeasing. You know, it's the idea of atonement, of, of making right with somebody. And I think that in our, in our little crazy, silly minds that are very sinful, even when we're trying to be objective and truthful, we can feel like, well, I don't think that what Jesus did is enough for my sin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you really don't factor into this equation, my friend, because <laughs> the Godhead decided before the foundations of the world how they would address the sin problem and they handled it. And so now what you get to do is you get to decide if you're going to accept that or not. You don't get to decide if his sacrifice was enough. You don't get to decide if God loves us that much. He says he loves us that much. And I think sometimes when we feel like we are at our most pious And we feel as if we are understanding these things at a deeper level and we're really broken over our sin. That sometimes is when pride really takes over on our part. And we feel as if we are in a place of judgment now to say, well, I don't think God could love me enough to cover, et cetera. I don't think Jesus's sacrifice was enough to cover, et cetera. I don't think this is fair. I just don't feel like God loves me. And so. It sounds pious, (laughs) but at the same time, like you have to really consider how proud that is, where you are now standing in judgment of what God has told us is true. And you are taking upon yourself the judge and jury aspect of this scenario. And you're saying, oh, well, I just don't think or I don't feel that this is appropriate. And guys, I have to say with love, what you think and feel does not matter. Okay. God decides what's true, and he decided, the Godhead decided before the foundation of the world, they completely righteously, God understands all variables, okay, and he thought it through, okay, and they came up with salvation, and this is what Jesus died for, and you are who Jesus died for. And you don't get to say if that's fair or not. You don't get to say if you think it was adequate. You don't get to say you just don't feel like God loves you. At the end of the day, you just need to decide if you're going to accept the truth of God's word or if you're going to reject it. And I think sometimes even those of us who are believers who've accepted it, we get all tied up in theological knots when we start to really understand these concepts and we start to unpack them. And at the end of the day, God says it takes the faith of a child, right? Like he, we, he wants us to trust him that he sorted it. (laughs) And if you've accepted it from him, you can trust him for that. And so I do think that that's one of our struggles with really getting into righteousness in our flesh is that that cavern seems to widen out in front of us to, just incredible proportions. And we think there's no way I could jump that. There's no way God would want to jump that. And we have to go back to what God's word tells us is true.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. God didn't say that sacrifice was enough to cover the sins of the world, except for yours. So just keep that in mind. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He knows you. He's he's known
0: you before he created mankind. So don't worry about it. (laughs) At the end of the day, are you going to believe what God says? You know,
1: (laughs) that's really what it boils down to. He doesn't lie. So why would you believe him?
0: (laughs) Exactly. Well,
1: those are good thoughts to head into this study with. Um, I'll go ahead and read Romans 3, starting in verse 19. Do the music. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. All right, verse 19. (laughs) Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed, and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So right here, just in Mm. these couple verses, we are shown a really important doctrinal component that the law is here to show us that we can never keep it, because we could never be perfect. Mm. It says, through the law comes the knowledge of sin. For those who have never been exposed to the law at all, they don't understand that they are sinners, right? If there was no law, there would be no sin. But there is a law. (laughs) There is God's standards that he has laid out for us in a lot of those that are talked about in the Old Testament. And that's a really important foundation for the New Testament to Mm -hmm. show us salvation. We can't really appreciate that unless we know how imperfect and sinful and lost we are. Mm -hmm. And the law shows us that. It reveals it to us. So picking up in verse twenty-one, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. That means being made clear, made evident, basically. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that I feel like connects well with what Katie was saying earlier, talking about how, you know, we we are all sinners, but Christ's sacrifice is sufficient to cover that. And we can trust that it is because there's no distinction. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We could never be righteous enough to meet his standards because we were born into sin.
0: Mm -hmm. You
1: know, we could never go back far enough and change something. You know, even if you'd only sinned one time, that is still enough to damn you because that's how holy God is. Mm -hmm. And that's how evil sin is. We tend to just see it in terms of Oh, my my cute little four-year-old told a little white lie. How precious is that? You know, but it's not. That's that's wicked. That's what Jesus died for. And whenever we cheapen what sin is, we don't understand what it is, then we're not going to understand why God had to go and do the most drastic thing ever to save us. So it's very important to have a very accurate view of sin and what it is. And, you know, how our righteousness is as filthy rags before God even the good things that we do, it, it's just never enough. And we, t- I think we tend to also believe that, for some reason, a lot of people in our world seem to think that since they know there's going to be a judgment someday, I think they have that written on their hearts. You know, everyone always says, "Well, I just hope my good will outweigh my bad," because they think that's how the judgment works. If you do more good things versus bad things, then you can, you know, then you're fine. You know, I'm not Hitler. He probably did more bad things than good, so. I'm fine, but Hitler's not the standard. And we've talked about that before, too. And the, and our good works could never, ever erase the bad deeds that we've done. So it, our sin has to be paid for. And then in verse 21, it says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. Again, being made clear, the righteousness of God was made clear, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. So if you believe the gospel, if you've accepted the gospel and understood who you are and who God is and that Jesus is who he says he is, then God has made a promise to you that he will keep. He doesn't say, you know, clean up your act first, like some some religions and even some people who call themselves Christians say, clean up your act first and, and then God will love you. <laughs> no, it's it's faith, right? It's, it's the most simple thing. A child mm-hmm. could do it. Children do do it. And kids often get it better than adults do because Mm -hmm. (laughs) they understand the simplicity of the gospel. God made it really simple so that we could accept and get saved. So there's no, you don't have to crawl across broken glass. You don't have to hurt yourself to get God's attention. He loves you and he wants you to be saved. So yeah. the, this Romans is really important to understand the gospel. Martin Luther was reading Romans and he got saved just from reading it.
0: And after devoting a lifetime to God's service, it was only after he read Romans that he actually understood yeah. the gospel and got saved. He God was a saved.
1: very religious man. Yep. And, and it's so neat to see that that just turned his, his life around, seeing God's word. Mm. Um,
0: God knows what he's talking about. And he knows what you need. And I love that this passage speaks to, in verse 22 specifically, that the righteousness of God, it's really being displayed through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. And then it goes on to remind us that all have sinned, and they fell short of his glory. And so, like, these things, there's tension here, right? Because that's what we were talking about earlier, the righteousness of God. How can that be displayed through us accepting what Jesus has done for us, like, How does that make sense in light of the fact that we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of God's glory? And that's when, again, you have to understand that God in weighing whether or not, you know, and weighing what was needed to take care of our sin and weighing what was appropriate as a substitute, Jesus's life was appropriate for that. Mm -hmm. And so his righteousness is manifested through we as sinners accepting what Jesus has done for us. Mm -hmm. and it's just amazing i mean that it doesn't make sense again to our finite thinking we have to really wrestle with that but at the same time we have to trust it it's what god's word says
1: yeah exactly i know i tend to struggle with if something sounds too good to be true
0: probably is because that's
1: how our world is (laughs) we're a lot of skeptics over here (laughs) yeah you know this sounds great this sounds perfect but is it (laughs) You know, because this really does sound too good to be true. Why would a most holy, perfect, good, lovely, wonderful God sacrifice his beloved son for a bunch of rebellious, awful, dirty people who hated him, who were his enemies? Mm. It does not make sense. You know, it sounds too good to be true, but it is true and it is wonderful <laughs> and there's no catch. You know, we, we definitely get the better end of the deal here, but it's just the beauty of believing God and taking him at his word. Um, and he changes your life. It's not just a blind faith that you have to swallow and hope is true. You can test it. And anyway, that's, a, that's another conversation there. But you can trust God's word. And and it's very important to do that because you're going to be rudderless if you don't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So moving on here, we're going to jump ahead to 1 John. This is later on in the New Testament. And we're going to read chapter 2, verse 1. This is a very important um, verse here in talking about believers and our sin. It says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, so in other words, you're going to sin. I hope you don't, but
0: <laughs> when you do, it doesn't even say, but if anyone sins, it says, yeah. and, yeah, <laughs> if anyone sins. yeah but he's not saying when you're saved, you will not sin anymore. That would be <laughs> awesome.
1: But it says, and if anyone sins we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous so the advocate jesus goes between the sinner and the sinless and he is sinless himself but he he advocates for you he's not ready to stand in judgment and point fingers and say well look what she did she messed up you know he has the heart to restore and when you sin if as a believer when you sin and you fail that should break your heart you should care because that's what Jesus died for. You shouldn't be very cavalier about your sin, because that is deadly serious. Um, but Jesus still <laughs> he still stands as our advocate. I've heard of the cross being pictured as Jesus' standing between earth and heaven, standing between us and the Father to be our advocate. He was hung there between earth and heaven for us. And then he has that role of connecting us to God the Father through his sacrifice, and through how he advocates for us even today. And unfortunately, we give him probably a lot to have to advocate for us about because we are very sinful. But um, that's our comfort here. It's not, oh, you got saved, and then you sinned, and now God hates you. But it's God is continuing to help you, and he's continuing to forgive and to love. Uh, and that's such a blessing because we all need that so much. Mm-hmm and i love too this is it says that we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous Mm -hmm. so his righteousness is sufficient for us and again we have to rely on that we have to trust Mm -hmm. in him that that is true
0: and it's so interesting that all these verses that are really talking about the the aspect of salvation the fact that jesus died as a sacrifice for our sins it's so interesting that Jesus, the righteous, Mm -hmm. you know, the righteousness of God is being displayed through faith. It's so interesting to see that being incorporated into these passages. And if we weren't studying righteousness, honestly, I think we get kind of mind numb to these things and Mm -hmm. we just read over them and we're just like, oh, yeah, it's like Jesus Christ. Like, it's almost like it's his last name instead of really understanding what Christ means Mm -hmm. and how that is a title for him you know i, I think that it's very similar in the situation where if we weren't studying righteousness we wouldn't really be thinking of the fact that it says we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous mm-hmm. because in light of what this is talking about the fact that we should be trying really hard not to sin right we're not supposed to take it for granted that oh jesus died for my sins therefore i can just do whatever i want like, obviously, Paul talks about that. Like, should we then send more so that grace can abound all the more? And he's like, of course not. Like, that's yeah. the, That is the complete opposite point of salvation. And that is the yeah. sign of someone who's not really saved, if that's your heart, is that, oh, Jesus died for me. I can just live like the devil. Like, no, yeah.
1: but we're saved from our sin, not saved to sin. <laughs> Even now, there are people who believe that. I've I've heard it before. Someone who thinks, oh, well, I'm saved, so it's under the blood. Yeah. yeah, I can do what
0: I want. That's that, a very dangerous sign that yes. you do not get it and that you're not Scripture saved. talks about that concept and that mindset a lot. And it yeah. talks about it very strongly that that is not of the spirit, at least not of, of God. So spiritual, but it is earthly and demonic, I think, instead of, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, from God. And you have to try the spirits in those situations. But scripture deals with that concept quite a bit. We're not going to talk about that fully in our in our podcast. But if you are struggling with that concept or you know someone who is, Scripture speaks to that, and that is not the right mindset to have Mm. when he has died for that. And I want to encourage you to spend time in the Word with that if you struggle with that. But what is really interesting about these verses and this passage specifically in 1 John 2 is that a verse that came before this, 1 John 1, 9, in the same letter John wrote to the church, talks about how if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and I think that verse is so significant because not only does it say he'll do it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it says he's faithful to do it. It's not like he's going to stop one day. If you if this is the eighty seventh time you've sinned in that way this month or this week or today, it's not like okay, I'm not going to be faithful to keep doing that because you've used up all your times, right? It, no, like he's faithful. He'll always come back, and he's just it is right for him to do that because of what jesus has done Mm -hmm. and it says it will cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness and that is such an important verse and so i think we need to remember that when we're struggling with sin and when we're really broken over our sin is like we're supposed to confess it we're supposed to repent of it we're supposed to to care right that we are doing this when god has saved us from this we are choosing the slave master instead of living a life of freedom Mm -hmm. But God is faithful and he's just to forgive us if we confess our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then that letter goes on in verse two. We see kind of another aspect of that is that if we are sinning, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And that's why we're able to be forgiven of our sins. And that's why the concept the world has about Jesus being a loving God so he can just forgive you. And he's not going to like condemn you for choosing something that makes you happy because he loves you. Guys, God has to operate within his character, right? Yeah. We've talked about this in other podcast episodes. God cannot just arbitrarily forgive you for something, right? There has to have been a sacrifice that was worthy of that. Like mm-hmm. he, he is just, he is righteous. These things all live together with him. And he knows the proper way to live. He knows what is best for you. He knows what will bring about death in you when you're choosing things that are wrong and that's why he gets to say no you cannot have that it is not good for you and he gets to decide that his righteousness means what he does is right what he decides is right and he doesn't just change that because you feel like doing something wrong yeah i think that's important too
1: well think about it in terms of love if you love somebody Like Say you're married to the most wonderful person in the world who loves you so much, who's always so faithful to forgive you whenever you do something wrong. Do you then want to turn around and say, oh, good, I can cheat on him because he'll forgive me? Right right like, well, no, how many people <laughs> can I not. cheat on my husband with this yeah week? would you why would you want to <laughs> if you love yeah. him, why would you want to cheat on him and that's exactly. essentially what it is like if you really love God, why would you want to fool around with stuff that he yeah, hates and that absolutely. hurts him and that he died for you know that's not love and so if that's your attitude, Check that out. Mm-hmm. Why don't you care? <laughs> why why don't you love what God loves and hate what he hates? It could be mm-hmm. you're not saved. It could be he has not changed you because you've not gotten saved. So it's, it's food for thought.
0: Yeah. And we've been, we've used this illustration before and it's a very basic illustration, but if your child just loves the taste of poison, you know, and they just crave it and they always want to sprinkle a little bit on their food or they want to pour a little bit in their drink. You, as a loving parent, are going to tell them, No, you cannot have that. That will kill you. Right. And they might say, Well, I love it though. And, like, why would it, why, if you're a loving parent, why would you say, I can't have something that I love and that makes (laughs) me feel so good? And it's like, Hey, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what your perspective is as a child that doesn't understand. You are drinking poison, it will kill you. I will not change my view on this just because you like it. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we have to get our minds wrapped around. We don't decide what's right. God does. So when he says that you should only be having sexual intimacy in a marriage relationship between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman in that covenant, that's the only time sex gets to happen with God's blessing. That's what he created it for. God gets to decide what sex looks like. He created it. He gets to decide what's right and what's healthy and what it will be of benefit to the two people involved in that. And he decides that. And we don't get to say, well, I like this sin. I like this relationship. I like this perspective or this thought life. Or I like what I do on my computer. That doesn't matter what you like. You are drinking poison. God told you what is right and what is good and what is not sinful to participate in. And he gets to decide that because he's God. Mm -hmm. And we could say that for hundreds of illustrations about things our culture are deciding what they think is good because of how they feel and we have to get back to basics you guys god decides he decides what's (laughs) non-poisonous right Mm -hmm. and it's out of love for us that he sets those standards of rightness of righteousness and that we should allow him to govern those areas of our lives
1: yeah and if you love and trust him it should be no big deal to follow him in these areas too like it'll be hard but he empowers you to do it and it's so much easier to follow someone you love than someone you are apathetic about mm-hmm. <laughs> so but i feel like this connects really well what we've been talking about with the next passage i had for us to read and that's in romans 6 so i'll start in verse 11 it says even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin but alive to god in christ jesus so before those of us who were unsaved all of us <laughs> um <laughs> were dead in in our sins But because of what Jesus has done, once we get saved, we are dead to sin. We're no longer dead in it, we're dead to it. So it's like, Mm -hmm. just consider yourself cut off from that, separated, no going back. You shouldn't want to go back, you know, that's nasty. But now you are alive to God in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it says in verse 12, Therefore, because of this, (laughs) do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body Like when you think of members of your body, think about like different parts of your body to sin. um, Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. So like the members of your body being tools for unrighteousness. You don't want that, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So then jumping down to verse 18 and having been freed from sin You became slaves of righteousness. So he goes on. We are instruments of righteousness, but we're also slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, he says. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, again, that's who we were before. We were slaves to something else, you know, so we're always going to be slaves to something um, when you think in those terms. And before it was impurity and lawlessness. Picking up again, resulting in further lawlessness, So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? (laughs) What did that give you? (laughs) You know, when you were a slave Mm -hmm. to sin, what benefit did you get? What good did that do you? Nothing, right? Like it, it was just condemning you further. For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit. So there's real benefit there, resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? It's what just a, a picture. I know it builds. I know. It's like, what did all of that former lifestyle get you? You were a slave to these things. Mm. You loved pursuing those things, and that was all you could do. You know, you couldn't say, no, I'm going to pursue righteousness in my own strength, because There's nothing in you that could accomplish that. It had to be God. Mm. And that just all it did was earn you
0: more and more death in hell. Um, This is all from Romans 6 too. So like go sit in this passage, you know, consider these things, ponder them, like listen to it on the Bible app or on YouTube. You can always find free audio Bibles online. They're all over the place. Have it on instant replay while you're doing the dishes and just Mm -hmm. keep thinking about These words and let them wash over you and penetrate and be something that you are really understanding fully. Because I tell you what, this is revolutionary to how we consider our life in Christ. Mm -hmm. It's revolutionary to how we decide on every aspect, every decision we make. Are we enslaving ourselves again to the unrighteous life that we have been freed from? Or are we enslaving ourselves to God being free from sin? Resulting in our sanctification. You know, this is this is really important. (laughs) Yeah, this is where it all really hits the road in practice.
1: It matters what you do. You know. So again, like this is another conversation, but these things connect. In James, right, it talks about faith without works is dead. Mm. So we do these things out of the faith, the foundation that we have in Jesus. He's the foundation. There's nothing we can do to destroy that but god does want to reward you for the good you, that you do built upon that foundation so your salvation is taken care of there's nothing you can add to that but what house are you building on top of that foundation of salvation are you just building worldly pleasure you know focusing entirely on what you want to do with the day that's that's wood hay and stubble so you're going to get your reward in what you have today like You know, if, if that's what you want, then that's the reward you get and you're not going to enjoy that for eternity. But if instead you say, God, I want you to use my life for you. I want to do things that matter for eternity. And then you make choices based upon that. He rewards that and he calls those works, gold, silver, and precious stones. And that's building a good building on top of the foundation of Jesus Christ. And that's going to last. So Think about it in those terms. We're just here for just a little bit of time. And our life is so short and it's amazing. I'm pretty young, but <laughs> I'm already amazed at how fast life passes you by. Mm. Um, and it just picks up. It keeps going faster and faster as you get older. Mm. So use your time for the Lord and you'll you'll never regret it. You'll never look back and say, "Man, I really wish I'd lived for myself more and lust for the Lord." <laughs> you know, no one's ever going to say that.
0: We should take advantage of being on earth to sin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. Um and and God does have Happy things for you in life too. It's not like he's yeah. like, Oh, I love when you're sad. <laughs> you know, so, like, he delights to give us
0: good gifts. Yeah. Like do, think about that. He delights. Like he's not keep holding out on you. Again, he's a good like, father. He's trying to keep you from drinking poison so you can have a full and vibrant, healthy life. Like it's not like, oh, I want to keep these things from them. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that's so important. And I have to tell you, frankly, um, sometimes when we are encouraging people to choose righteousness instead of a sinful choice we say things like um oh god has something better for you and then on the one hand like yes like god absolutely has something better for you right but sometimes we're like oh this job is going to take you out of church this job is going to not encourage your spiritual growth like it's it's encouraging you to be around a sinful lifestyle or whatever it's like oh if you don't take this job god has something better for you you're going to have a job with more money you know it's going to be a better situation all this of stuff and it's like well maybe not like maybe god wants you to live in a quieter way you know maybe god wants you to make less money maybe god wants you to prioritize your spiritual life over the amount of money that you're making your financial life right um trusting god for your daily bread doesn't mean like if you make the right choice when it comes to your spiritual growth and you choose a job that will allow you to be in God's house whenever the doors are open and is going to be functional for you to be able to still have free time and time to invest in local church and time to invest in relationships. That doesn't mean that God's going to give you something that's like $120 an hour and everything is going (laughs) to be great, right? Sometimes we sacrifice for what is better for us, right? And the same token, like, Choosing not to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't love the Lord or isn't encouraging your spiritual growth or whatever, or is tempting you to sin in your relationship with them saying, I'm not going to be in this relationship anymore. It doesn't mean that God has, you know, Prince Charming waiting around the corner for you, right? Sometimes God wants you to live a life devoted to him in your singleness, and he is going to be everything you need in that season of singleness if that season lasts for years or if it lasts your whole lifetime, right? So, like, we have to be careful how we encourage and admonish one another that we're not saying things that God doesn't say. On the one hand, yes, he absolutely has better for you because doing things God's way and being in fellowship with the Lord is always going to be the best case scenario. It's always going to be better than living life your way and choosing the things that feel good in the moment, right? But sometimes on paper, those choices are not going to look this in our mind from our fleshly viewpoint. They're not going to look like, oh, this is obviously so much better what God has given me versus what i chose does Mm -hmm. that make sense yeah not on earth it is better for you but it doesn't always look like that and we sell god short and we don't encourage younger brothers and sisters in christ and we tell them like oh in this dating relationship because god has the perfect mate for you right around the corner it's like we don't know that (laughs) (laughs) frankly what god wants from you is not for you to give up this little toy so he can give you a bigger toy what God wants from you is for you to be a sacrificial, sold out slave of Christ. And whatever he gives you, you are joyful and happy in that. And you are willing to trust him with your life because you know that your life is going to be better in his care than anything you could fashion yourself. Mm-hmm. And that better is, a, is not always what we think of in our human thoughts as better. But when you look back on your life, it always will be. Because he is going to be growing you and walking with you and providing for you. And that's what's key in that.
1: Yeah. Amen. Well, and then Romans, like a, there's so many different directions we could go with this, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just rich. And I echo Katie's encouragement to jump into chapter six and just read it. Actually, read the whole book of Romans, <laughs> read the whole Bible. Yeah. But then Romans 12 is a few chapters after the one we just read. And it's very familiar. I think we get into this chapter a lot in church and just in life, which is good because it's really good. Just focusing on verse two of Romans 12, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm. So that's that's an application for us of God's righteousness. Right. Looking at him, we need to Behold him and see him accurately, see him as he is, and then run towards him. <laughs> um And it says, "Don't be conformed to this world. How do we be conformed to the world by sitting in it and feeding off of it and wanting to be like it? you know, training your affections, on what the world says, yeah. And I can tell you, I've, like my personal experience in my life is that human beings do not naturally like to sit down and read God's word for the purest of intentions. You know, maybe some like to look at it from a scholarly point of view because it's an amazing piece of literature or whatever, but it is not natural to me to want to dig into God's word and praise God. He's changed me over the years. Now I love to read his word. He's changed me because he's put it on my heart to push through that feeling of, I don't want to, (laughs) I'd rather go and watch TV. I'd rather go and you know, buy stuff for myself. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things I'd rather do, right? Because in our flesh, that's that's who we are. We want to do what we want to do. But when you push through that and choose Christ instead, you are making a choice that your affections will follow because you can train yourself what to like and what to dislike. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people in our world tend to just say, you do you, do what you want to do. What you say is right is right for you. But no, like, we are sinful. And when you understand that, and you understand that you're going to have to say no to your fleshly desires and to pursue Christ instead, He will change your heart and He will make you to enjoy those things more. And I think that's kind of the thing that scares some people too, because they don't want God to change them. They like, you know, they're afraid of what that's going to look like. They think, well, the moment I surrender to God, He's going to take away everything I love, right? <laughs> like that's kind of the popular belief. And I've fallen prey to that a lot in my life too. But the God who created you and who knows you uh, and loves you deeply, he's not just wanting to toy around with you, right? Mm. Like He he loves you. And love is sacrificial and it does what's best for the other person. Like read 1 Corinthians 13. That's a, a list of what God's love is. And it's what ours should look like too. So when you trust him and just say, Lord, I'm going to do the right thing, even though I don't feel like it, that's a huge leap of faith. And that's precious to him. He loves that. And he's going to help you to love the things that you need to love. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's natural for you to love what is bad for you and what is of the world. But whenever you just say, no, I'm not going to love those things. I'm going to love what God tells me is good. And I'm going to pursue that instead. And I'm going to put in the long hours and hard work that it takes to change my desires from bad to good with Mm -hmm. God's help. Mm -hmm. He's gonna bless that. So just keep going on and keep pursuing, jumping into his word and loving it. And again, like how this connects to Romans 12, it says, do not be conformed to this world. So don't continue making the choices to love the world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect.
0: I think this is really important for us to just put a little pin in this idea and kind of like a little bubble comment (laughs) because one thing that i think can happen when we start to really pursue our relationship with christ aggressively we try to start saying no to things we start to try to be in the word more is that in our attempts to love god and to serve him frequently we are trying to do that in our own strength and Mm -hmm. scripture talks about this We are just as in need of God's help and of his intervention after salvation as we were before, right? We desperately need God and we need his help to desire him. We need his spirit to convict us of sin, to draw us to Christ, to intercede for us with groans that can't be uttered, as scripture says, between us and, and the Godhead. Like, we are desperately in need of God's help for us to even start to pursue him. And sometimes you find yourself burnout and discouraged because you've been spinning your tires trying to accomplish these great things for God without God being the energy and the focus and the drive. And I think we really need to come to the end of ourselves continuously as believers where we recognize that I am just as helpless to choose God today as I was to save myself. Mm-hmm. I, I need God's help. And I tell you what, there is freedom in acknowledging that, and there is freedom in resting in his ability to help you. And this is the balance of a Christian walk, right? This is what walking by faith looks like. It doesn't say, oh, I don't need to participate in my spiritual growth. I can just languish on this couch. But it also doesn't mean I'm going to go out and take that hill, and I'm going to accomplish all these things for God, and God's just kind of this remote captain that we never speak with, right? It, what it looks like, Philippians 2, 12, and 13 speaks to very... Emphatically, I think it says to work out your own salvation, not to work for salvation, but to work it out, to practice it with fear, godly fear, and with trembling. Then it says in verse 13, For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work for his good purpose. And that's significant. Like we need to remind Mm -hmm. ourselves of that. That's the tension of living with Christ and walking by faith is that. Yes, we are to participate in that effort, but at the end of the day, we need God to strengthen us, to give us the, the desire, to give us the resilience, to give us the strength. And I tell you what, I have become more and more dependent on the Lord in my spiritual walk. The older I've gotten, the, the longer I've served him and walked with him. And now it's, it's almost become the beginning of every prayer where I say, Lord, I cannot do this. I need you. Like, please help me. Please give me the strength to pursue you. Give me the desire to want to be with you. Help me to feel conviction over my sin. I know it was wrong and I just am apathetic. Like, please help me to Mm -hmm. feel broken over this. Like, beg God to do that work and trust him for it and then keep pursuing him even if the times he's going to tell you to wait or he's going to tell you no or whatever but continue to do what you need to do, but recognize at the end of the day that it is God's work in your life that you are relying on. And that is something that sometimes we leave at the cross and we feel like, okay, God did all this, but now I have to figure this out on my own. It's like, no, yeah. like you,
1: you still need him desperately. Like, jump on his back because you cannot make this happen on your own. Yeah. And he wants you to do that. He's not bothered by you. Exactly. <laughs> he loves you. You're, you're his child. and. This It's cool because Katie is talking about something that plays really well. This is all connecting really well. Praise (laughs) the Lord.
0: Almost like it's in the Bible.
1: I know. Crazy. Um, With John 15, that's the last passage I have for us to talk about today. And it's verses four and five. This is Jesus talking. And he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. So Mm -hmm. that's what Katie has been talking about. It's like. You have to abide it, in Christ. Yeah, <laughs> it's it says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So, like, if you see a, a dead branch lying on the ground, it's not going to be actively bearing fruit.
0: Oh my word, my yard is full of dead branches. but So many. <laughs>
1: and how productive are they? They're not. Productive <laughs> They're not. They're such a pain. Yeah, that should be a relief to you to hear, because God is telling you, be connected to Me, your source of strength, mm-hmm. and I will help mm-hmm. you with this. Like I will empower you to do what i'm calling you to do god pays for what he orders and it says in verse five i am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him he bears much fruit oh, amen preach it yeah <laughs> we can't do anything apart from him. this is so important. and he's right not, right not telling us to he's, yeah it's great because he's saying i will give you what you need and then yes. you will bear a lot of fruit and i i feel that stress and pressure when I'm not focusing on the fact that it's from him mm. he's the one that gives me the ability to do what he's called me to do and I think a lot of times we are like I am very pharisaical on my own unfortunately it's just very easy for me to want to check all the right boxes so I know I did the right thing but like who's the focus there it's me yeah. you know God isn't the focus I'm not focused on glorifying God I just want to make sure all my you know boxes are checked so that I know that I've been righteous you know but that's not how it works mm. I've got to draw from God's strength and abide in him. What does that look like to abide in him? It's like, it's to sit and have fellowship with him, get into his word, drink it up. Don't just quickly read two verses and then call it good, you know, drink in his word. And maybe that will be two verses, you know, that's all you dive in today. But was that enough to give you what you need to dwell on the Lord that day? Maybe, but maybe sometimes you need to read, you know, a whole epistle or, you know, just sit in there longer and in more material and pray, really talk to God and seek to have his direction for your day, abide in him. And he says he'll abide in
0: you too. Yeah, I think it's really cool how this analogy of the plant, because this makes sense to us, Mm -hmm. you know, we can see this as tangible. And the goal here is not just for it to be alive. I think that's interesting too. God actually wants us to bear fruit and he wants us to bear much fruit. We're not supposed to just be alive. We're not supposed to just make it to the end of our days. And, well, at least we have eternal life because we are in the vine. It's like, well, he wants you to actually bear much fruit. Yeah. And a branch just laying there, unconnected to the vine, it can't grow. It can't sustain its life. And it definitely can't then build out on that to bear fruit. You know, like, that's ridiculous. Like, the, the essential vine is needed for every aspect of that it's it's what pulls the nutrients out of the ground out of the air out of the sunlight and it pulls that into nutrition and what is needed to grow that branch and to give it leaves and to give it fruit etc and i think that is so key here like at the end of the day all we're supposed to really do is to tap into the source of life and then as he is flowing through us we will grow and we will bear much fruit hmm. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's so true. Because I mean, that is the whole point is that he has saved us and he is right here with us to help us please him. And we're not doing this on our own. Mm -hmm. And it is so much better and so much more freeing and so much more joyful and peaceful and exciting to do life God's way and to walk with him and to have him walk with us. I mean, it's just incredible to dwell in the vine. And he says not only... Are we going to bear much fruit? He says, but he will abide with us. Yeah. And I think that is so cool that we're not just throwing, you know, letters of entreaty at his feet or, you know, some religions will climb to great heights or they will sacrifice a lot to please a deity. God says like, hey, you abide with me, I'll abide with you and you're going to bear much fruit. And then a reminder, like, because apart from me, you can do nothing. That's what mm-hmm. he told us. And so praise God for that. And then, oh, this has been such a sweet reminder for me just this week, having a conversation with a really good friend who's been struggling with this concept of trusting God for their sanctification. And relying on him for that, as well as, you know, how we already Mm -hmm. trust him for salvation. And it's just really neat to see these themes coming up in our podcast and just to reflect on how great God is and his righteousness and just to praise him for that together and to dwell on that together. It just Mm -hmm. is so encouraging. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's a conversation we could have every day and it would be Mm. equally encouraging. I feel like it's just something we need to hear. Absolutely.
0: I hope this has encouraged you guys and been just a nice little shot in the arm or a punch in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever (laughs) Whatever you
1: need today. (laughs) Um, Sometimes both or a slap, (laughs) whatever you needed today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But we love you guys. And thank you for listening in, for walking with us through this journey of getting to know God better getting to understand what this means for our lives practically. And, uh, it's just been sweet time in the word. So Mm -hmm. love you guys. Love you guys. We'll catch you again next time. Whenever that may be, (laughs) whether you like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.
1: Bye.